you happy Father's Day to all the, the dads in the house. Uh, we love you and excited to celebrate you. If you're watching online, we love you. Fathom fam, listening, driving down the road. Thankful you're hanging out with us uh, online. Uh, excited to celebrate this day. I actually have my dad in the house, which is super cool. I didn't know that. He's preached here before, and you guys, some of you have gotten to, to know him. And uh, just really thankful to, to be here. Excited what God's going to speak in this time. We had Mother's Day just a few weeks ago, ladies, and so we tried to honor you and celebrate you. We're going to do the same to the fellows uh, today. Uh, like I said on Mother's Day, I feel like the same could be said of Father's Day. When we come into these days, we don't all come the same way. We, some of us on days like this, we have a certain heaviness to us because of uh, the lack of a relationship we've had with our earthly fathers uh, or the type of earthly father we had. Uh, some of us have never known our earthly father. Some of us have an estranged relationship with our early, earthly father. Uh, some of us lost our, our dad far too young. Um, and, and so I come in bearing that heaviness on behalf of some of you that are just navigating those emotions today. And, uh, but what I do know is we all have one perfect example. And I'm not saying that to just be trite and to make some people feel better. No, it's just the truth. Like we have a perfect earth or heavenly father um, in God the Father, and so we can lean in and all have that same access to the goodness of God and the greatness of a perfect father. Because as good as your father was, or as bad as he was, there's no such thing as a perfect father, only one in heaven. And, and Jesus really defined that when he came onto this earth. Like he defined what real masculinity is. And I'm telling you, in our culture right now, there's kind of a war on masculinity. Like there's just this whole conversation about toxic masculinity, masculinity, and there, there's just this whole argument around it. But I, I, I'm not even going to deal with that stuff. But e- even we've grown up with like a, what a definition of what it means to be a man. Like real men don't cry or real men don't do this. We have, we have these sayings that we've grown up with and that are ingrained in us, whether we like it or not, male, female, we have these ideals of what it means to be a man. And Jesus taught us a whole new way to be human, let alone a new way to, to be a man. He, he showed us that uh, you could be principled, but also operate in compassion. That you could carry both the love of God and the truth of God together in, in, in one body and live that out. And so he teaches us a new way to be human and certainly a new way to be a man. I want to talk about that a little bit uh, today because I, I, I know this is so important. If you go into any community that uh, has a high crime rate and uh, you ask the civil leaders over that community, and you ask the police department, like, oh, what are the real issues? What are the real problems in your neighborhood? And, and what you'll find is they'll say the greatest problems are not drugs or, or, or guns in these neighborhoods. It's the lack of godly fathers. It's the lack of fathers. I'll add godly fathers. That, that's, that's the core principled issue um, and so we got, we got to talk about this. We, we've got a generation that's fatherless. And I think if we did a poll in, the, in this room and we just had like a great relationship with dad, you know, a little better than average. He was an earthly father, but not really a spiritual leader. Had an average. If we just kind of went through, man, we'd have people all over the place. And so you, I think on days like this, we can kind of feel like we're alone, but we're actually to get together in our different experiences. We have one perfect example in Jesus Christ, and I think it's so important that we talk about this, and, and, and for men in the room, for you to know your role in this society, let alone your role in the church, and, and, and the opportunity and the calling on your life to, to lead, 
And so I want to I speak into that today. I want to I go to a text in, um, in 1 Timothy. Before we begin to read the scripture, 1 Timothy 1, we're going to read verses 12 through 17 in just a moment. If you want to pull that up, or it'll be on the screen here in just a few minutes. Uh, 1 Timothy 1, we're going to go there. But Paul uh, is writing to his spiritual son. His, we don't know that Paul had actually physical children, but he had a lot of spiritual kids. That, that was Paul, writer of the majority of the New T- Testament. But he had this spiritual son. His name was Timothy. And uh, just kind of give you a little bit of background here. Uh, Paul, uh, in Acts 20, there's this church called Ephesus. It's a city, and there was a church there. And uh, in Ephesus, uh, there was all kinds of false teachings. And Paul actually prophesied. He actually predicted that there'd be all these false teachers that would come against the church there in Ephesus. So he's in prison. He predicts it. Uh, and sure enough, it happens. And so he goes, when he gets out of prison in Rome, and he heads to Ephesus. And when he's in Ephesus, he begins to take and deal with the problem head on. Come on. Somebody know a man deals with the problem head on. We're not going to shove it under the rug. We're going to deal with it. See here, like this is what a man is. But this is what, it's what a man is. We deal with the problem on, on, on uh, what's going on. So Paul goes and he's dealing with these false teachers. He's having these hard conversations one-on-one with these people who are trying to tear the church apart in Ephesus. And, and he's working there for a little while, and he eventually says, hey, Timothy, um, now's your time, buddy. Step up to the plate. I'm leaving. I'm going on my next mission. I'm going to plant some churches, and you're in charge. Uh, you get to deal with all these problems. And he just walks, and he leaves Timothy, and he writes him this letter to encourage him in the midst of this very difficult task for a young believer, let alone a, a, a young man. You know, he's just a young man and a young leader. And so, um, so some of you who are very new in your walk, let's just say a couple years in or less, this is you. And Paul saying, hey, there's all these problems. You're in charge. And so Paul is writing this letter to really encourage him. And so I'm going to read verses 12 through 17, and, and we'll kind of circle back to verse 18 towards the end. Uh, beginning with verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who's given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Uh, The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Don't beat around the bush. Receive this. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm the worst. I'm the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive Eternal life, now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful for this word because it's really a letter to to Timothy to encourage him. But right here in this moment, Paul's kind of reflecting on his own journey. He's speaking out of his own experience and he's thanking God for his goodness that, that Timothy actually needs to hear how good God's been to Paul, like he, he needed to hear that. He needed to pass that on to him. 
give you a little more. For some of you, I know some of you in the room uh, may not know Paul's testimony. You may not know his story, but like he said right here in, in his letter, that he was once a persecutor of the church. He was a violent man. He was an angry man. He had people killed. The first martyr in the scriptures were at the hands of Paul leading the charge. Like he, we would consider him a terrorist in today's age. Like he, we would probably label him a leader of a terrorist ring, and he wrote the majority of the New Testament. Some of you are like, do, do what? <laughs> A former terrorist wrote the majority of the New Testament? Yeah, yeah, he did. And like, that's what makes this even more incredible of how God saved him. And his story is he's, he's walking from one city to the next. He's on the journey there. And God shows up, like it just stands before him, like this, what, an open vision, and he blinds him. Like, and in his blindness, I think Paul began to just process what was taking place, and he began to process, uh, like, God is persecuting him. Why are you doing this to me? Like, I think this is where a lot of our journeys start. I think God's mad at me. I think God's trying to tear me down, and we get angry at God because we're blinded that there's actually a point to this. God's taking us somewhere, and he, uh, God tells him to go to this certain town and see this man on this straight street. They didn't, weren't super creative with their street names, Go to Straight Street. And so he went to Straight Street. It's the straight road, I guess. And he went there and talked to this guy. And God, after three days, opened his eyes. And so his anger at God kind of opened him up to obedience. And the obedience opened his eyes after the time passed. And he opened his eyes and he began to get sent forth into ministry. Like into gospel ministry to carry the love of Jesus. God showed up to him in a, in a miraculous way. Like some of our stories are, are incredible like that. Some of us a little less, you know, wild and crazy like Paul's was walking down three days of blindness and then sent into ministry and to reach the Gentiles and to, to, to be a minister to the Gentiles. But I think it's important that we understand the context and who Paul was and where he had come from because it shapes everything that we just read, that he really considered himself the worst of sinners and it speaks that much more about God's goodness and patience to him. Today, I, I want to talk to you uh, under the, the title of just a different kind of dude. Paul was a different kind of dude when he met Jesus. And I would say the same for every man in here. If you've known Jesus, if you've come to encounter him, like if you walk with him, you will be a different kind of dude. You will be changed by his grace over and over again, and you can get be grateful for what he's done. And it really starts with Jesus. We're just thankful for what Jesus uh, did. Uh, the first thing that he really talked about, if you go back to the verse, go back to verse 12. I want to hone in from these five, six verses and lean in just on uh, verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who's given me strength, and he considered me trustworthy, considered me faithful, and appointed me to his service. I just want to process this one verse because I think this carries a lot more weight than probably if we were just reading through it, we would understand what he's passing on to Timothy. First, he's passing on the need for strength. Um, I, I'm about to lose my man card with some of you. Um, uh, about a month ago, uh, I have it secured away though in a safe, so you will not take my man card. Uh, some of you guys, after I tell you what I'm about to tell you. So a month ago, um, I changed my oil for the first time. Thank you. Thank you for the golf clap. Thank you. One month ago. Took this long. I have done some other car repairs. 
um, but none as simple as the oil change. So uh, I, I did it the other, the other week. Uh, Josh uh, Baxley here, uh, I went over to his house, uh, you know, my last oil change, and he kind of showed me how, showed me how it's done. And uh, Dad, you're sitting here like, how did I fail you, son? <laughs> and you didn't know. He's like, I'm so ashamed. I'm so disappointed in you right now. Um, but I went over to Josh. He showed me the ropes on how to unscrew a cap and let the drain come out. And, and, then, uh, and then I got to, you have to change the oil filter. For those of you that don't know, um, welcome to my club. And I, I didn't know. So I was working it with my forearms, about 30 minutes. My forearms are burning and my grip strength is not that great anyway, but I'm just trying my best. My hands are greasy and oily and I cannot get the oil filter loose. So I called Josh. He's around the corner and I said, hey man, what am I supposed to do? He's like, I got a special tool. Come over here grab it. And so I got back to the house and did it and like just went right on, started pouring the oil back in there, forgot the drain cap. <laughs> All the oil goes out, you know, have to go get more oil and deal with that, come back. And it broke right loose with the right tool, but I was trying to do that in my own strength. And so kind of funny story, but I think the point of it here in, in this text is how often men do we do it in our own strength? Ladies, how, how often do we try to get it in our own strength? We try to solve that problem with our oldest son in our own wisdom. We want to do it in our, in our own strength. I mean, nothing shows us more than when we go get the groceries, right? And the groceries, like, I want to carry them. Oh, like, no, these people are coming to help. Nope, I got them. I got, we're just going to show our strength. When it comes to uh, navigating and needing a map, nope, I don't need the instructions. Like we do it at our own strength, but what's behind all of this bravado and strength is pride. It's pride. And so we've got to redefine strength. We've got to redefine it. And Paul said, I'll boast in my weaknesses so that Christ can be made strong through them. So he can be glorified. When I'm like, it's all me, it's all me. And some of us, we need to come to the end of ourself and crucify pride. And some of us, we've got all these different mindsets about what a man is and what's, str- I gotta be strong for my family. I gotta be strong for my wife. Well, sometimes you just gotta get real and say, I, I, I can't do this on my own. And we find a very different type of strength in the scriptures that's taught on. And, and I'll tell you, this This message of strength that he's thanking God for giving him strength is a message that Timothy desperately needed to hear. Because the situation uh, that he was in, he was in over his head. And some of you are in over your head right now. And what's going on with your children and the legal battle you're in and the financial situation you're in or where the situation your marriage is in, you're in over your head. Timothy was in over his head and he's saying, I I thank God for his strength because if not... (laughs) It's, it's only God's strength that's allowed me to get this far. And some of us, we've been just doing it on our, our own strength. And I just want to tell you, there's hope beyond that. But as long as we limit ourselves, as long as we limit ourselves to just our strength, we'll never accomplish all that God has for us. And, and I'll just tell you, like, true strength from God has a, a handful of things that I want to make sure we know. True strength from God will admit weakness. I could have just not picked up the phone call. I did have to swallow my pride to say, hey, man, what am I supposed to do? I did have to swallow my pride to tell you that story that <laughs> this is the first time I've changed my oil in my whole life. I had to admit weakness. And he says that, like, I'm the worst. I'm the worst of sinners. Like, he wasn't afraid to talk about where he had come from. Jesus in the garden. He's, br- he's at a breaking point. 
He's at a breaking point. Like I'm at the end of my rope. I'm at the end of my strength. Buddies, Peter, James, John, I need you guys to come pray with me in this garden. Like if there's any way for this cup to pass from me, I need you guys to come. I need you. I'm the, Jesus was not afraid to admit weakness, so what are you afraid of? He swallowed his pride to say, hey, come. I think true strength from God will confess failures. We'll, we'll say, hey, I'm, I've fallen short of the glory of God. We'll, we'll come back to your wife and say, hey, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I was harsh with you. Hey, I'm, I, it'll circle back to our children, uh, that thing that happened two months ago, that moment in which you, you lost your cool or you said you were going to be there and you didn't. You, you can come back and circle around and, and admit your failures and be like, hey, daddy was wrong. I'm, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Like that's, that's true strength. We'll talk humbly and, and true strength will cry out to God. Like that's, that's real strength. It's not doing it on your own. And I have a pastor friend who calls it a threshold of scary. And, and some of us, we've only lived up to the threshold of scary to live in our own strength. But if we're ever going to accomplish all that God has for us, and, and men and women in the room, that there is a tree with every dream and calling on your life, specific calling, not general calling, specific calling on your life. There is a tree, and I want so desperately for every single one of you to pick every single dream and vision and prophecy over your life that's in heaven. I want it for your life. But it's going to take you crossing over the threshold of scary, where it's not in my own strength. It's going to take crucifying pride to cross past that. The question is, do you want that? Do you want what's on the other side of that? Do you, do you want to have everything that God has planned for you? Do you want to accomplish anything of eternal significance? Because if you stay limited to what you can do in your own strength, you'll never accomplish anything of eternal significance. You won't. It'll all be physical. It'll, but we just want to work ourselves to that line. And I believe for some of us today, we're going to cross that line and we're going to begin to live in faith like we never have before. So this is the first thing that he's, he's pressing into him. What's the situation in your life that you're trying to do in your own strength? Is it the job situation? Is it trying to work out the conflict with your boss? Is it trying to overcome the financial situation, the mountain of debt you're trying to do in your own strength? I don't know what you're up against, but I know what Paul is passing on to his spiritual son, and we can receive this for us today too, that we can lean in to the strength he has for us. The second thing he says is, I'm moved. I'm thankful to God that he considered me trustworthy, considered me faithful. How many of you guys seen that movie, uh, Napoleon Dynamite? You guys seen Napoleon Dynamite? Okay, some of you. Some of you guys don't want to admit it. Like, I saw that movie. Like, yeah, there you go. Okay, there you go. Feel a little bit. So, for those of you that don't know about Napoleon Dynamite, he's just this real thin-framed kind of bony fella with uh, like a white man afro, super nerdy, real dry sense of humor. It was a hilarious movie when it came out until it got really popular. And then it just got annoying. And, um, and so anyway, there's this character in Napoleon Dynamite. His name is Uncle Rico. Some of you guys remember Uncle Rico? <laughs> Uncle Rico, if you, don't, if you haven't seen the movie, it's okay because you've been around this guy before. Don't worry. He's the guy who's in his 40s and he's living in high school still. He's like, oh man, we almost won state championship. It's like one play away. I mean, I could throw this football over the mountain. He's just, you've been around that guy? Have you seen that guy? Do you know that guy? Yeah. Oh, you've been around him? Um, so when I was in high school, I actually played quarterback, um, which people always think I'm the kicker, but I, I did play quarterback uh, for a few years. Hey, it's real talk. I was a little guy. I was just hanging out behind all the offensive linemen. So I, I, st- I was able to start uh, at quarterback in my junior year for like the first half of the year. There was this young guy on the, the, fresh, uh, on the JV team. He was a freshman, 
And uh, they moved him up about halfway towards the end of the year. And, uh, and he took my job as a freshman. And I was like, oh, man. And so they moved me out to a wide receiver. And I ended up playing a wide receiver and, and defensive back a little bit. And uh, had to swallow my pride in that moment. Uh, he ended up going on to play. Like, we ran the option. And he ended up playing for Navy, which is like an option school. And keep, so he was good. Kind of made me feel a little better. It wasn't that he was terrible. But um, still, it was in this moment that I had an opportunity. I had an option. I had really a choice here of, am I going to pout about it? Or am I just going to go and do my best in what the coaches think is best for the team? But what's, I have a choice. Like, what am I going to do? And, uh, and, and then I, I became a good team player, and I just went with the flow. But here's the reality. I think this is why this is important for this text right here. If I were to ask you, are you faithful? Do you consider yourself to be a faithful person? Do you consider yourself to be a trustworthy person? Probably 90-plus percent of us would be like, yeah, trustworthy faithful. Here's the deal. We're not the judge of whether we're faithful or trustworthy. In fact, we probably are blinded to the ways in which we're unfaithful, that we're not trustworthy. We're probably blinded to those things. And this is so important for what's going on here and what's going on in our lives and what was happening for me there. Why? Because it wasn't my determination. It was the coach's decision and the, the same goes true with whether we're trustworthy or whether we're faithful or not. That's not even for us to decide. It is God to decide. But I, we have to begin to ask ourselves this question, is are we being faithful? Are we being trustworthy? The, uh, what, and, and I think understanding the, the role of the man, we can talk about Ephesians 5 and the role of a man to, to lead and be the head of the house. And we can talk about all that stuff. But we first got to talk about, are we being faithful to lead ourselves, men? Are we leading ourselves spiritually? Are, are, are we leading ourselves? And, you know, actually with the, the Greek of this, it's not super complicated, but there is kind of another way this could be translated in different uh, um, instances. And it could be translated like this, to go before. That he allowed me to go before. That could be the way it's translated because that's what leadership is. That's what we see in Ephesians 5, that that the, the man being a, a spiritual leader in the head of the, is, is not from like this place of dominance, but it's from this place of servanthood that we go first, that we lead the way through service. Like Jesus showed us what leadership is when he died on a cross. It's ultimate sacrifice, and we're called to lead the way in that. We're called to be trustworthy, called to be faithful. Um, a lot of men know how to tell other people what to do, but don't know how to do it for themselves. And so let, let, let's, let's kind of break this down for just a second. This has always been a helpful exercise of me. If, um, I'm, I'm guessing around the room, there's different um, folks who serve in, in different places in our church. You've got a role in which you serve. And let, let me ask you this. Let me just pick a nursery worker. Let's, let's just say there's somebody volunteering in our nursery uh, on a somewhat you know, regular basis. Um, if you had to hire yourself based on how faithful and trustworthy you're being with the four children that are in there, if it's production, Owen's killing it back there. If I give it up for our production team, <laughs> Owen's amazing, that big smile. If, if you had, like whatever you're, you've been entrusted with, if you had to hire someone to step into that role, would you hire you based on how faithful and how trustworthy you're being? with what you've been entrusted. Would you hire you? 
Like, if you had to hire a new husband for your wife, this is ridiculous, we will never do this, don't worry, I will never perform or be a part of anything like that. But if you had to hire a new husband for your wife, would you hire you? Would you hire yourself as a father to care for your children? Because something's been entrusted to you. And I think if you're anything like me, my, my brain's always what's next. I always want more. I always want to look over the ark, but, but we got to look at what's right in our hand. Some of us are asking for things, and are, are we being faithful with the season we're in? Are we being trustworthy for what we're in? I think we, in church, we get into this volunteer mode, and, and we're more than volunteers. We're we're servants. We're bond servants of Christ. This is not something we volunteer. This is our life. We've devoted our life to Christ. And so we want to walk it out faithfully. And so I just ask men in the room, like, um, are you being, being faithful? Or are there some areas of your life in which kind of cutting corners? Maybe at work you've just been cutting corners, cutting corners, cutting corners. Maybe it's at home and keep making excuses. And what I've always said about excuses is, they just lower your expectations of yourself. Every time you make an excuse, you lower your expectation of yourself. If you stop making excuses, the lid comes off. We start walking in obedience, and we can really walk in what God's called us to. Single fellows who are longing for a family, who are longing to, to find someone to spend your life with, be a spiritual leader right now. Don't, don't look for what's next. Be faithful what's entrusted to you. That we know of, Paul didn't have any physical children um, Jesus didn't have any physical children. Did he struggle to be a spiritual leader, a spiritual father? And I'm telling you, we're, we've got a generation that needs you to step into that so bad, so continue to do so. The third thing he, he speaks to him is about this appointment to service. If you look back at the text, that he considered me trustworthy, that God entrusted this in my hands, that he would appoint me to his service. And the word here is really not... Uh, super fancy. It, it really, the, the Greek here is just, uh, it means to work hard. <laughs> That's what it means. It means to work and serve. Paul wasn't bragging about like positional authority. He wasn't talking about a promotion. I thank God that he promoted me. He said, I thank God that he, he's, I'm honored that he lets me serve in his house. That he not only invites me to the table, but he lets me vacuum the floors. That he lets me set the chairs, that he lets me set the communion table, that he lets me hold babies, that he lets me play drums, that he lets, uh, I'm just honored that he, he, he lets me do that. He's, what a humble thing in his voice to have written, ended up, ended up writing the majority of the New Testament, the, all these letters and the way God used him. There's nothing super spiritual here, but there is something deeply spiritual here for us today. Um, I told you, my, my dad's here, which is really cool. I didn't know he was going to be in service with us until like two days ago, and my mom's here too. I didn't say you, but love you too. <laughs> um, and uh, you're an illustration in my sermon. I'm going to embarrass you. Sorry. Um, you're an illustration. It's Father's Day. What do you expect? <laughs> you know, how can I get up here and not talk about uh, my dad? But um, from a young age, uh, he taught me, I, I, I'm, I know how blessed I am that I, I had an earthly father who's also a spiritual father. That's it's a blessing, because I know, I'd say probably the majority of us in this room didn't have that, and so I, I take that, and, and I know I'm blessed in that. Um, but he showed me what servant leadership was. That was really the only type of leadership I knew. 
in my home was servant leadership uh, because how he led. Um, last night, we, over the past four days, we've uh, remodeled. We have like a 90-year-old home, and like our bathroom upstairs was literally falling apart. It was so bad. The, the sink was not working. The toilet was not working. The ceiling in the shower was falling down. It was time. It was time. It was time. And so we've been playing there for a while. And so dad uh, took this week of vacation, and over the past like four days, we've spent like 55 60 hours in like four days. Like it's nuts. Like we're tired. Good time for a nap. Father's Day. Um, but last night we, we cut off early and we went to, to go get some dinner. And, uh, and dad just kind of opened up and just started telling all these stories I'd never heard in my life. I like I've heard, heard a lot of stories. Mike Nelson has a lot of stories about his life. Uh, lived an incredible life. And um, he started just opening up and telling these stories. And there was one that I was like, man, I, I got to share that. Um, so I hope you're okay with me sharing it. He's like, I don't know which one it is. So <laughs> you got the stage. <laughs> so um, so uh, my, my dad was, um, worked in the supermarket business, worked for Winn-Dixie for 21 years, and um, uh, got to retire uh, like 21 years in, in his like, mid, mid to late 30s. Uh, retired, he started when he was like 15 or 16, bagging groceries, something like that, and uh, worked for 20 plus years with them. And uh, was actually had retired and was moving into a different field, was moving into construction, was going to build out a residential um, part of the, their business, a construction business. And so that was his plan. He reti- retired, job over, parties happen, and he's moving this. And he was telling the story last night. I don't think I've ever heard how this came to be. Um, but he, he said that I think just a day or two before, I guess, your last day. Yeah. Do what? Yeah, a couple weeks before your last day. He played, yeah, he had two, two weeks to work out. And um, he got a call from our pastor of our home church. And um, uh, the pastor brought him into his office, and he said, you know, hey, this is a situation. The youth pastor is taking over this role, and, and we're praying about, like, what, who's going to be our next youth pastor. And um, he said, and I can't get this picture out of my head. Uh, it's, a, it's of a mirror with uh, your name written in shaving cream on the mirror. And uh, he's like, I can't get him ahead. He's like, I think you're supposed to be our next youth pastor. Would you pray about it? And, and dad just said it, it broke him because um, he just knew, like, it's, he was starting a wild adventure that he was kind of came out of nowhere <laughs> in a lot of ways. And it just, it just broke him. And uh, so he got, he got started. He called the guy he was going about, about to work with and said, hey, I think God's in this. And I'm, I'm going into full-time ministry as of, like, 20 minutes ago or something. And and uh, this, is, this is my life. And um, he steps into that role. And, you know, long story short, he'd take a youth group of like 25 to like over 400. And just a, a legacy of just child after child, student after student, who be, many of them have, have moved into full-time ministry and how God has used that legacy. But the funny thing that took place is about a week later, about paycheck time, after he had started working, my mom said, um, she goes, do you, do you know how much you're making? Do you like are you getting paid for this? And uh, he's like, I don't know. We haven't talked about that yet. And it was just, he was just going to, he was just going to serve the Lord, just obeying the Lord. Um, that's the kind of service that we're appointed into. It's, it's not about anything we gain out of it. This is the type of, like, we're, we're not called into volunteership. We're called into a life of service and life of calling. If you'll be faithful with what's entrusted to you, of the moments of service, the opportunities of service, and open our eyes, they're around us all over the place. With the next student that you stand beside, with the one that's sitting across the room, the next opening in a volunteer role in our church, like there's, there's a place for you to use your, 
giftings in the body of Christ. And so there's nothing super spiritual about this other than to do the hard work that it takes to, to walk in this. But, but do you see it that way? Do you, do you see it as an opportunity just to serve God and honor, looking to what we can get out of it? I want us to be leaders in service. I think this, you know, the interesting thing about Paul, and, and a lot of times we see in Scripture where God will change somebody's name. Jacob was originally called Jacob, and God changes it to Israel. And Abram was originally Abram, and God changed it to Abraham. We see these Sarai was Sarai, and then God changed her name to Sarah. There was all these name changes that God changed. And a lot of times we think Paul was one of those name changes, but he wasn't. Um, Paul used to be called Saul, but he drew a line in the sand and said, I'm a different kind of dude now. Let's put a P on there. <laughs> I'm Paul. I'm Paul now. And so he just began to identify with the new of who he had been created to be. And he walked in the new. Verse 18 to wrap us and close us here. Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by following them, you may fight the good fight. The reason I'm downloading this stuff to you, the reason I'm encouraging you, the reason I'm thanking God in front of you for strength and counting me to service so that you've got what you need to fight the fight. Because Ephesus is hard right now. What you're going through in this season of your life is hard right now, spiritual son. You better be grateful to, to God for where he's brought you. But I want you to know I've experienced the same thing. I've walked it, walked it. So you walk out what you've got in, in faithfulness. And you walk it out with service and work hard at the things that God's placed in your hand. And let him, let him raise you up. Let him fight the battle for you. I think all across this room, there's, there's some men, I believe some women too, that there's a line in the sand. And on one side of it, some of us stand, and it's time to cross that line of doing everything in our own strength, of kind of going through the motions of being a part of a church and kind of doing these things and like, no, no, I'm a, I'm a different dude. God has changed me. I was the worst of all sinners, and this is where I've come from. And like, I'm just going to straight up, some, some of us need to take the step of baptism. We haven't taken it. And we're walking this faith out, and we haven't been obedient to that. And so before we can get to the next thing that God has for us, we need to be obedient to the last thing. We need, we need to take that step. So like straight up, we'll fill the tub for you next week. Let's do this thing. Fellas, ladies, if that's you, like, let's grab a card. In a few minutes, let's grab a card. Let's text 97,000, fathom to 97,000. Let us know. Like, we'll fill the tub. Let's cross that line. Let's cross that threshold. God's got a plan for your life. I want everything that's on that tree to be yours. I know the prophecies that are over your life is what Paul said to Timothy. I want you to have it all. I want you to have the courage. I want you to have the strength, the faithfulness to fight this fight that you're up against. God's got a plan for you. And so maybe some of us in here, we just need to reflect on how we're doing it in our own strength. And we need to tell somebody. We need to reach out and say, man, I'm trying to do this on my strength. I need to talk to somebody. I need somebody to help me cry out to God. I need somebody to pray with me during this next song and the response. You need to come up and be prayed for. I don't know. Um, maybe we just realize we've been unfaithful in some things. We've kind of taken the things in our, in our lap just kind of without seriousness, without reflection about the weight of what God has given us to serve him in. And I'm going I'm to call you to step up into it. Walk in it faithfully. Give it all you've got. I want to I close today. The band's going to come. And um, I, I just dream of a, of a church. And I see it taking place now of 
uh, men that are stepping in to who they're called to be. And every single one of us will be better for it. Ladies, when you step into all that you're called to be, we're all better for it. Men, when you step into all, it's not just your family. It, it's, it's everybody. It's the body of Christ. It's our city. Like, there's a tangible difference when we walk in this. And so I want to challenge you to step into it. I want to ask everyone to stand right now. Um, and, and I know this is going to be uncomfortable for some, but I, I want to ask the fellows up here, and I want to, Dad, will you come pray for us as men? Just to, there, there's this word in the, in the New Testament, and it's the word impart. And we only see it a couple times in the New Testament. It's the word impart. Maybe you've heard it. Some people have some wacky theology on this that I disagree with. Because really, if you understand what it is, it, um, it means to pass on a spiritual gift. Like, and I don't think, I think we receive our spiritual gifts from God. But I think what Paul is communicating through this word in part is that when you're close to someone, you get inspired to be more like them. I don't know if you've ever been around somebody like, man, they're so generous. I want to be more like that person. And like that, that you get in contact with them and you get close with them. And, and, and there's, like a, there's something that happened that moment. In fact, some of the best characteristics in your life got imparted to you from someone at some point, And it clicked with you. I want that in my life. And you begin to pursue that as a part of who you are. I'm telling you, he's lived servant leadership. He's lived godly masculinity his whole life. His whole life. His whole life. And I just believe he wants, I believe that God wants to do something in this moment to impart this, to pass this on to us. And I say that humbly because he's my dad. He's way more humble um, than I'll ever be. But um, I want to ask him, and all oh, men, if you'll just come close. I, I, sorry if you're uncomfortable. I'm just going to call you out of that and uh, ask you to come and pray for us. Um, Dad, guys, will you come and just come close? Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Taryn broke that ice here a long time ago. He's resigning today. <laughs> but, uh, I just want to pray for you and that uh, God will help you live out all that you're able and uh, live in the greatness that God has for you. Father, today um, we thank you for each one of these men, what you've 
built within each one of us, Lord. You give us everything that we need. And Lord, you gave us the things that we don't have so that we can learn to lean on you. Yeah. I'm sure every single one of us have things and see things that we wish we had and they wish that we would have been born with, but um, you made it that way so that we can trust fully in what you have. Lord, I know that each one of these men have greatness within them when we do it within you. I pray that we'd live with the the boldness that we need, live with the humility that we need in our life to be everything that you've anointed us to be there. Each one of us are anointed to do what we do. There's no job that's more important or more significant in the kingdom and in your eyes. Lord, whatever that you've blessed us with, Lord, help us to live it to the fullness to live our lives and give everything that we have, every moment that we have. Lord, at the end of the day, we turn off the lights. We put our head on the pillow. Lord, know that we've lived and we've given everything that we have in service to you and to the mission that you've called each one of us. And I pray for those today who haven't yet received what their mission is. Lord, I pray it begins to stir within their spirit visions and they begin to see things the way that you would have them see it. And then Lord, begin to just lay it all out for them. It's our job to say yes. It's your job to pull it all together and make it happen. Yeah. We thank you for each man. We thank you for the role that we play in society today. We thank you for uh, the investment that people are making into our kids, into our wives, into our kingdom, into this family. Amen. 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 Come on, band's going to lead us. You guys can go back to your seat. We're going to worship together. There's going to be some folks down here at the crosses if you'd like someone to pray with.